Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steffi, joined by two guests here to start off this episode, both from the Daily Iowan, Robert Reed, the pregame editor, and Chloe Peterson, the assistant sports editor and fellow Wisconsin native. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, appreciate you having us on. Looking forward to the uh, conversation. And... Kudos to you both. I Getting into the speed, I've been very impressed with the student journalism that you guys are doing. So the future of the industry is strong. Appreciate it. You are, you're not that far removed from, uh, you know, going from press conference to uh, a class to take an exam. So it's a, it's a fun struggle. <laughs> well, speaking of struggles, that was... Was Iowa kind of struggled there more than kind of. They really struggled there. And it seems like this offense just has been kind of the part of this team that's really been holding this team back. Yeah, and I think especially over these last two games when, um, you know, earlier in the season there, when Iowa was succeeding and going all the way up to number two in the country, some of the drawbacks against Iowa, even if the offense wasn't looking great, um, was that, you know, the the way in which the defense is scoring touchdowns and forcing turnovers, you can't sustain that. And at some point, the offense is going to have to put uh, points up itself and not rely on defense and special teams. And I mean, it, it looks like we kind of have reached that point in the, uh, the season for the Hawkeyes, a really tough last two weeks. I think I saw it was the first time that I was lost back-to-back games by double digits since 2013, which um, is saying something. And neither game, I mean, honestly, looking at the, watching the game, you would have thought the score was a little bit worse than it actually was the past. And it could uh, have been a lot different too with those three red zone trips where Wisconsin only came away with 10 points. That could have been 14 or even 21. Yeah, it's, it's a tough situation when, um, offensively, you're putting your defense in position where you lose a fumble on a strip sack, Ivory Kelly Martin. Um, there's some miscommunication or mishandling of the handoff, and you fumble at the one, and then the muff punt without Charlie Jones in there. It's a uh, it's tough to come back from that. And it was interesting because you know had the third or the the fourth and one play to Potabom actually converted in the third quarter. Like if Iowa gets points out of the, that drive, it's a you know not far out of reach for Iowa, despite how bad things had had gone. But um, yeah, it it was uh, the Austin Hanson, our sports editor, we were the ones covering the game uh, over the weekend and we were counting down the minutes until Iowa had its first, first down of the, uh, of the game, which came in the (laughs) final minutes of the first half. That was a long wait there. You know, more fumbles in the first half than first downs. Yeah, I, I kept updating on Twitter, like Iowa has, you know, 17 yards negative. They were in the negatives and rush yards for a while, a while, and it's part of that sacks, but I think they ended the first half with negative rushing yards and all those fumbles. So the first, the second quarter in particular was just about as bad as half of offense as, uh, as you can see at the Big Ten level, I guess. And Chloe, it seems like the defense and the special teams is still more or less getting the job done. It's just the offense that has been the major area of concern. 
Yeah, the defense has definitely been doing its job. I know Jack Campbell said yesterday at media availability that if the defense hadn't let up any points, Iowa would have won the game. But <laughs> that's really it's really not the defense's fault that Iowa's offense fumbled twice basically at the goal line and then their special teams muffed that punt at put Wisconsin in the red zone. So they can't really do anything about that. And they still like only let up 27 points in that stretch was still pretty impressive for them. Yeah. You know, that if you had those other 11 points there, that would have been, if I can do math, let's see, 38, seven, I think. So 27 to seven looks actually kind of nice in comparison to that. So it really could have been a lot different. And I saw you both were at availabilities yesterday and the kind of takeaway there that I had was no wholesale changes, wholesale being the word that Kurt Ferentz used, is coming to this offense here. Yeah, and I think we we heard some of that after the game when, um, you know, Kirk was asked about the status of the offensive coordinator, obviously his son, Brian Ferentz, and um, he remains confident in you know, the entire coaching staff, as he put it, because he didn't want to single out Brian there, I don't think. But um, I know he mentioned on Tuesday that you can't just overhaul an offense in the middle of the season. That's not what they're going to do. Uh, and no mercenary term. players either. <laughs> that, that was a good one. No mercenary players. But uh, I think from Spencer Petrus to Tyler Linderbaum to Kirk, I think even mentioned, you know, getting back to the fundamentals and um, improving on what they already know. Um so I, I think you're right. We're not going to see any major differences. Um, it's just, can this team get better at what they already know? And I mean, I, I think a lot of this, um, we've heard Kirk um, bring things back to the offensive line. And um, aside from Tyler Linderbaum, a lot of inexperience or, you know, some players may be playing banged up, it sounds like, um, without Kirk getting into any specifics, but um, trying to, you know, Iowa kind of, you know, they brand itself as tight end you now, but, you know, off, also kind of offensive line you um, over the, the Ference era. And the offensive line doesn't usually struggle the way we've seen them struggle this past season. I mean, Petrus was taking hit after hit, uh, it seemed like, against Wisconsin, and Goodson was being dragged down in the backfield uh, more often than not. So um, Linderbaum said it's about getting back to the fundamentals up front, and Petrus said the same thing in the passing game. So I guess it's uh, – the mantra that the offense is working with right now. And they seem to be, it's kind of cliche, but they really do seem to be emphasizing that one game at a time approach where it's funny because they have the road to Indianapolis goes through these doors in the practice facility. But then when you ask them, it's clear that, or at least they're saying, who knows how they truly, truly think. But they're saying, hey, we're just worried about Northwestern. And Chloe, it's been a Northwestern team that has been kind of a pain to Iowa in the past. Yeah, I think from what I saw, they um, Northwestern has really had Iowa's number like Purdue has. They've won four of the past five meetups with the Hawkeyes, whether it be at Kinnick Stadium or at Ryan Field. But right now, I really don't know what would happen this week weekend because Northwestern's rush defense is not good, but Iowa's offense is also not very good. So it could be 
uh, match up a, a bad defense and a bad offense this weekend. Well, if the running game is going to get going at any point this season, I have to think that this is about as good of an opportunity as I was going to get with this Northwestern defense. Yeah, it's it's weird to think of Northwestern as having the bottom ranked uh, scoring defense in, or rushing defense in the Big Ten because, you know, Pat Fitzgerald kind of, it seems like Iowa and Northwestern are very similar in some of the foundational parts of their program and playing stout defense is kind of part of that. So I know there was a change in defensive coordinator um, over the offseason, but it, it's still weird seeing that last place ranking and rushing defense next to Northwestern's name. But um, yeah, this seems uh, like we've kind of alluded to, if there's going to be any week this season to get that going, it seems like it's, it's going to be this week. And, um, you know, if, if we're getting back to fundamentals, like uh, the offensive players have been saying, I think that could include a lot of um, runs with Goodson because especially the past couple weeks against Purdue and Wisconsin, and those losses, um, he's been, there's been a couple burst runs, but the run game for the most part has been pretty ineffective. So letting Goodson um, get plenty of carries. And then I'm interested to see Gavin Williams this week with Ivory Kelly Martin out with, uh, I think Kirk said he's got a couple of feet issues. Um, yeah. A couple of issues feet. with his feet and someone on Twitter quickly retorted to me that he has a couple issues with his hands too. <laughs> so that was, that was a good one. Twitter is a wonderful website with people who are incredibly quick-witted. So, um, yeah, but with him gone, that's going to be a pretty big spotlight there on Gavin Williams and probably a better chance for him to succeed early on than if he was going up against Wisconsin team that's allowed less than two yards per carry. That's kind of getting thrown right into the frying pan. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see um, Gavin because both the freshman backs in spring practice, they were getting praised by uh, Liddell Betts and they were making some plays out on the field. Obviously, when you have an all Big Ten guy like uh, Tyler Goodson and then a, a really experienced guy like Ivory Kelly Martin in the backfield, it's going to be tough for us to see them get touches. But uh, and, and obviously, Tyler's still going to be the main guy against Northwestern. But if Gavin does get, you know, the touches that we usually see go to Ivory, it, it's certainly a, a spotlight for him to, you know, earn his spot on the depth chart, so to speak. And like you said, it, it helps that, um, you know, the, the first major playing time comes against a, a rush defense that is really struggling this year. Yeah. And then score predictions first, Chloe, what do you think the outcome on Saturday will be? You know, we just did our on the line predictions for the DI and I believe I was the only one to pick Northwestern, but I'm still going to go with Northwestern this time. And I think it'll be, I think it'll be pretty low scoring, a good 20 to 17 Northwestern. Ooh, you're not gaining any new fans here in Iowa city with that (laughs) pick. That's for sure. I like the contrarian there. Robert, what are you expecting? I'm not as fearless as Chloe. Uh, I'm predicting <laughs> Iowa to get back on track, especially offensively. Um, I'll say Iowa wins 31 to 10, and we see the, the offense put up a, you know, a few more points than the seven we've seen on the scoreboard against uh, Purdue and Wisconsin. Simply just a touchdown and a field goal, and it's an improvement from the last two weeks. (laughs) 
the bar is low here. <laughs> After, let's see, it's been now three or four weeks with the bye week. Well, by the time it'll be Northwestern, it'll be four weeks since they scored more than seven points between the two losses in there and the bye week in between. So I think also the offense will probably get going here. Um, I think it's really important in terms of what they're trying to accomplish down the road to get some kind of offensive success going. So I'm thinking 28-10 right now, but that could change maybe as we get a little bit farther down the road. So thanks again for joining me. Yeah, appreciate it. It was a a fun uh, preview of this weekend's game. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to study up for those tests and keep doing great work at the DI. Yep, appreciate it. My next guest on the Hawk Off the Press podcast is J.P. Acosta, a contributor to Sports Illustrated's Northwestern site. JP, thanks for the time today. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk about this game. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So first of all, for someone who maybe hasn't seen much of Northwestern play, who's listening into this, what's kind of the scouting report for Northwestern? Oh, man. Um, It has been a little bit of a struggle for both sides of the ball this season. Um, Coming off of 2020, where basically Northwestern played well beyond everybody's expectations. The expectation this year was you're losing a lot of talent. You had to re-up everything from corner, defensive line, linebackers to quarterback. And I think that youth is starting to show in in the experience. You know, the offense really hasn't come around. It's been going through three different quarterbacks. Hunter Johnson was the original starter. He got pulled in the Duke game. Andrew Marty was the one who replaced him, but Andrew Marty got hurt. Then Ryan Holinsky came in. Holinsky played kind of well. There was some really rough spots, especially against Nebraska. But against Minnesota, it just all bottomed out. He went one for six for five yards before giving way to Andrew Marty. And it'll probably be Marty for the offense going into Iowa just because the offense can move the ball with him at quarterback. Um, If you're looking for a bright spot, Evan Hull has been one of the Big Ten's better running backs. He's ran for over 100 yards in, I believe, four or five games this season. He's run for over 200 in a couple of games. So the key for North to play Northwestern is if you can stop the run game, then you'll probably stop the offense. Well, it's probably good news for an Iowa team that's done a pretty good job of keeping back the run. And it seems like Hall is really that centerpiece of that offense. Yep, he is the stir the straw that stirs the drink. He is the engine behind the locomotive. If you can get him downhill and create gaps in um, Northwestern's run scheme behind Peter Skaronsky, who is still one of the better tackles, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. He's still a sophomore. If you can get him going behind the run game, you got Evan Hull, you got Andrew Clare, Trey Tyus, they can all come and spot Evan Hull for carries, but Evan Hull is the guy in the offense. He can take a five-yard run, turn it into a 15-yard gain. He'll take a 10 and turn it into 30. He'll take one and turn it into a 95 like he did against Ohio. Wow. That's not your average running back there. And then with quarterback, you were mentioning Marty. It seems like he's a guy who can also make plays with his feet when he wants to. 
yeah, he's definitely more mobile than Hunter Johnson and Ryan Holinsky against uh, Minnesota. He had seven carries for 28 yards. The offense seems to get more diverse with him in at quarterback. He can run more design quarterback reads. He can pull on the read option. He can throw a lot more RPO kind of action because instead of just being run or throw the pass to, to quit pass to the receiver, it can be run. You can throw it or, or Marty can run it. So he gives the offense another dimension, another layer. And it's going to be up to Mike Majeki and offensive coordinator to kind of unlock and unleash that potential for Andrew Marty. And then what should Iowa fans expect to see from this Northwestern defense? I think a lot of fans are concerned about Iowa's offense. So they could be paying a lot of attention to that part of the game. Well, luckily for Iowa, Iowa fans, their strength matches with Northwestern's defense's weakness. Northwestern can't stop the run at all. I think uh, Minnesota last week ran for, they ran for 308 yards on, on 53 carries. They had two running backs go over 100. Northwestern's had trouble stopping the run the entire season. And that comes with missing out on Patty Fisher. You're missing the Irish law firm on that second level. Chris Bergen still leads the NCAA in tackles, but he's only one guy. And you kind of start to see that youth and inexperience when it comes to stopping the run because you see missed tackles, you see missed out assignments and run fits. And that's where the big plays start to come in in the run game. Northwestern really wants to get teams in obvious passing situations where if they get up on you, then they can pin their ears back and rest passer Adetomia Adeboore is one of the better pass rushers Northwestern has and then their defensive backfield is very talented Brandon Joseph is still a ball hawk at safety and AJ Hampton's played terrific at cornerback but for Northwestern's defense the problems lie in stopping the run everything has come too easy against Northwestern's defense on early downs because teams are able to run the ball and then you mentioned Brandon Joseph I saw him in some NFL mock drafts Seems like this is a real NFL prospect here that is probably one of the better safeties in the Big Ten. He is definitely one of the better safeties in the Big Ten. He's definitely one of the better safeties in the country. Um, I think with Brandon Joseph, what you're going to get is a guy who's going to make plays on the ball. If the ball is in the air, he is your typical center fielding free safety who's going to go and try and break it up. I think he's improved a little bit against the run, but I think with Northwestern's general struggles in the run game, he himself has kind of suffered from it as well. But the name of Brandon Joseph's game is making plays on the ball. He's a ball hawk. If the ball is anywhere near him, it's, it's like a magnet. He somehow finds his way to the ball. He's had tip drill interceptions. He had fumble recoveries where it's like, how did he get over there? You're supposed to be in the middle of the field. But Brandon Joseph is definitely an NFL caliber safety. He can be a guy, a team center fielder basically breaking up passes and has the range to go sideline to sideline. Oh, wow. And I saw that he had a few really good punt returns too this year. Yeah. That's like an added element of his game that I didn't think he had. I think he's turned into Northwestern's better punt returner this year, along with Ray Nairo. He has the ability when the ball's in his hands just to make something happen. And that goes for when he's playing safety and also goes for playing punt return, I guess. <laughs> Wow, it sounds like he's a fun player to watch then. He's definitely one of the more fun players to watch. I definitely think for Iowa fans, you're going to watch a couple of players from Northwestern. You're going to want to watch Brandon Joseph, the way he goes from center field all the way down to make up plays. You're going to want to watch Chris Bergen. He's always around the ball. 
He's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He's not the fastest, but he has really good instincts. He kind of makes up for where Northwestern's rest of the defense lacks, especially at second level in terms of reading run fits. And then, like I said, Adetomio Deboare, number 99, he is the best pass rusher that Northwestern has this year. He wins a lot with power. He wins with energy and effort. Those are three guys on Northwestern's defense I think you're going to really want to watch out for if you're Iowa. And that'll be really interesting, too. Iowa's offensive line has not been the Iowa offensive line of years past. You've got at center Tyler Winderbaum, but after that, you have some question marks there. So that could be a really interesting matchup. Yep, it's, t- it's still... It's turning out to be a typical Big Ten matchup. It feels like whoever can run the ball better is probably going to win this game. It feels like one of those typical November Big Ten games. It starts to get a little cold. You start to grit your teeth a little bit more. You got to dig in your heels and go line up and play football. And it could really be cold with that 6 o'clock start, too. Oh, yeah. Trust me. It is cold already here in Chicago and Evanston. I cannot imagine what's going to be like at 6.30 on Saturday. I'm not really looking forward to the leaving the press box at like midnight, 1 a.m. and the cold then either. Now that's oh, yeah. very selfish of a problem of me and not at all related to the game itself. I mean, yeah, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. It's hit me already. <laughs> Just walk around at night. I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to go back inside now. I don't, I don't have to go out anyway. I didn't need to go to the grocery store. What should Iowa expect in terms of kind of an atmosphere at Ryan Field? So in terms of what to expect at Ryan Field, expect a fairly rowdy crowd. It's not going to be, it's not the big house. It's not, it's not Ann Arbor. It's not Columbus, Ohio, but these are definitely passionate fans for football. I think if Northwestern goes up early, they get kind of a lead. If you hear the, if you see the big plays coming from an Evan Hole big run or a standout defensive play, you'll start to get the energy kind of rising back up because, you know, Northwestern really hasn't had much to cheer about this year. This is a big game, <laughs> nighttime game. This could be one of their standout moments this season. This could be a time where they could make or break their season. And it seems like Northwestern has been one of those teams that really just has had Iowa's number in recent years. I think it's four out of the last five they've won against the Hawkeyes. Yep, this is like Iowa's boogeyman. They, <laughs> nobody wants to play Northwestern because Northwestern is always the spoiler. They're always going to show up. They're going to play their style of football, and you're either going to have to r- mow them down or they will mow you down. And then do you have a score prediction? Oh, man. Um, Putting you on the spot here. Yeah, you put me on the spot a little bit. Got to think about it a little bit. Um, ultimately, I think Iowa is just too good running the ball. If they're able to lean on Northwestern in the run game, they can go up early. They can set up their defense to do what they do best. It, and, and that's when teams go up. And when Iowa goes up early, Teams will start to make mistakes throwing the ball. That's where you get the interceptions, where you get the forced fumbles. So ultimately, I'm thinking Iowa 24 to 7. I Interesting. If it gets out of hand early, then I could definitely see this snowballing. Well, I'm sure any Iowa fan will happily take that score after 24-7 loss to Purdue 
and then 27-7 loss to Wisconsin. I a lot think, of sevens. A lot of sevens. You got to snap the streak. Yeah. They just need something more than seven. You know, <laughs> that, that'll be good news for most fans. Anything over seven for Northwestern Iowa fans. <laughs> start the buses. Start the party. <laughs> I'm guessing right now Iowa 28, Northwestern 10. But we will see Saturday in Evanston. Yes, we will. Well, JP, thanks again for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having me. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. Me and my class will be back on Saturday with another edition of After the Final Score. <laughs>